If you're into wellness and natural methods of treatment for pain, then I have an offer for you. Go to bodycheckwellness.com for high-quality hemp extract products. Products such as hemp oil-infused lotion and CBD muscle and joint roll-on are designed to promote wellness, balance, and recovery. Use the promo code OCS to get 25% off your CBD needs. Don't miss out on this great opportunity. Make sure you visit bodycheckwellness.com today. You're as cold as ice. You're willing to sacrifice our love. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Ice Cold Takes podcast. I'm your host, Joey DeBeglio. And this week, I'm joined by Core Python to talk about the Mets and their trade deadline acquisitions, as well as a bit about the Rangers and some potential lineup decisions that could be made this season. Thanks for joining me again, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. I know that you were ready to get someone to talk about the Mets and dog on them. So you called the right guy in the action today. Uh, yeah, appreciate you bringing me on. Yeah, I know you wanted to to um, to start ranting about the Mets. So we'll begin the show with the change up and start talking about the Mets. Um, the trade deadline, we kind of expected some fireworks for, for the Mets. Maybe they trade for J.D. Martinez. Maybe they package, get a package of uh, uh, David Robertson and Wilson Contreras. That didn't happen. Juan Soto was out there, and the Padres ended up getting him. So the Mets ended up getting Darren Ruff for J.D. Davis and a pack of prospects, including Thomas Zapucky, who I don't even think it's they're going to amount to anything. But, I mean, that was their notable acquisition. So we'll talk about that one first. It was, I mean, pretty underwhelming. So I'll let you, I'll let you go ahead and dissect that for everybody. Sure. For the Darren Ruff deal, I'm still trying to process this one. I understand the idea is, okay, he hits better against lefties than J.D. Davis. But to me, you're getting a guy that's on the wrong side of 30 for a guy that has proven in years past that he's valuable to this organization. I know he wasn't a fan favorite the past two years, and I know that people think, okay, since 2019, he hasn't been that great. To me, I look at the numbers and I say, I think that he's been productive enough the past two years, it just obviously we know he can't play defense. And this year, yeah, he has struggled. I just don't understand the mindset going after a 36-year-old who was playing overseas before because of his lack of success in the MLB. And he's on the wrong side of 30. And you package prospects when apparently these prospects are so valuable to you that you couldn't move in a David Robertson deal, that you couldn't move in a Jorge, uh, Jorge Lopez deal. You couldn't move in any of these other deals, but nah, it's fine to move J.D. Davis and prospects for a guy who's 36 years old and a platoon DH. I just, I don't understand the mindset. Yeah, I think J.D. was on his way out anyways. J.D. and Dom, I was, you know, I mean, when the Soto trade was going on, when everyone was hypothesizing, I had imagined that you'd package both of those guys in the same trade. This trade for Darren Ruff, it seems like to me, it's, you know, you knew J.D. Davis was going to get traded eventually, but not in this trade. It didn't see, it didn't seem like this was the trade to exit, to pull the trigger on, to move him. I mean, there's not a lot of room for him in the lineup, but over his career, he's hit pretty well against lefties, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but I, I don't know, I don't know what the front office saw in, in Darren Ruff. I mean, I guess, I don't know much about those prospects, but to me, I've never heard of them. So I'm just going to assume that they were, I mean, pretty low tier prospects, maybe like top 50 prospects for, yeah. for the Mets. But I mean, 
at least they didn't give up Francisco Alvarez or Ronnie Mauricio or however you pronounce his name. I think that's how you pronounce it. But, um, I mean, I've heard the asking price for a lot of those those guys that were on the market, like Martinez, Contreras, was, like, astronomical. And if they had to give up, like, Alvarez for one year of Contreras, I wouldn't have done that. I would have tried to find something else, though, to, you know, kind of package uh, together. Maybe Matthew Allen or something like that. I don't know. Maybe that's a little too much anyways. But um, it seemed like it seemed pretty underwhelming for the Mets. And then Michael Givens, who, in my opinion, he fits right in for the Mets because he had a low Mets moment in his first outing. In the ninth inning, we're up 9 nothing, right? And uh, five hits in a row and make it. What did what was the final score? Nine to five. Yep. And fits right in. Perfect. But not in a good way, of course. Nope. My hand was uh definitely red for a bit after punching the wall from that game because <laughs> I I thought we were gonna have to go to Diaz in this game, and I, I didn't trust Lugo at all. I thought Lugo wasn't gonna get it done either. I thought, yeah, it's gonna be this type of game, and we're either gonna lose this or we're gonna have to bring in Diaz to get the final out, which I thought they could have done regardless, but going back to the rough deal, yeah, I don't, I really don't understand considering JD's success, like you mentioned, against lefties. I know that he can't hit a pitch down the down the middle of the strike zone if his life depended on it, but you get a guy who's on the wrong side of 30 for a guy that has control, and then Michael Givens, yeah, the numbers in the eighth inning are great for him, but outside of that, how how much are you using him in the eighth inning, considering you have Trevor Maybach, considering Adam Adovino has been great in the bullpen for you? Where Where is Michael Givens fit in this role? I would have rather them try to target a lefty, and apparently the price was too high for that, which it, it's just absolutely ridiculous, considering this is the one year where you have the right. We, you have the right to go out there, trade prospects, go out there, and make a big splash. But for whatever reason, no, this is the year when we're 28 games above 500, when we're in first place, when we're guaranteed most likely 90% chance, I'd say, at the very least, you're going to make the playoffs unless something catastrophic happens. 90% chance. And this is the year you don't go for it. Yet in years prior, nah, Javi Baez, all right, have a Pete Crow Armstrong. Oh, Edwin Diaz, have a Jared Kelenic. Marcus Stroman, okay, have a Semyon Woods Richardson. I just don't understand why this is the year the prospects are so valuable now. Yeah, and you bring that up, that's a good point, because this core of Mets, like, we have aging players. Marte's older, Con- uh, I almost called him Kanye. Canna <laughs> is, uh, is, uh, is older, right? Um, who else did we get this offseason? That's, Scherzer. That's old. Scherzer's older. We got, like, all the uh, – Chris Bassett's not, like, incredibly young, I don't think. But well, it – and to add to that, you don't know if DeGrom's coming back. He's looking like he's going to opt out. Edwin Diaz, who knows if he's coming back. If he does, is he going to have the same year that he's having right now? For Brandon Nimmo, is he going to walk? There's just so many question marks going into this coming offseason. And you have you have the team in place. You just need to fill a couple holes. And now is the time. And they fumbled bad. And when I look at teams now like the Padres who loaded up when I look at the Dodgers when I look at even the Phillies when I Cassianos I think he's bound to heat up at some point they have Schwarber Harper's not in the lineup right now when he gets back 
who knows what's going to happen. Bohm has been doing good for them. Real Muto, to me, I look at this Mets lineup and they have solid players, but outside of Marte, you could even argue he's not really this type of guy, but Lindor and Alonso are the real difference makers. To me, there's just not enough difference makers in this lineup. Yeah, and it's it's tough it's it's tough because like you know the Phillies are have been so down in the in like the in the dumps like for a while and now that now that they fired Joe Girardi they're kind of heating back up so it's kind of scary to see them throw get put their their name in the hat and and mix for contact contention you know you got to you have to take at least three three we have big set against the uh, series against the Braves. You have to take at least three of these five of these five games that we're playing against them. Three and a half game lead. It's you have to. You have to take at least three. Any any less than that is is going to be really really tough. You're you're making it hard on yourself. And the Braves, I don't even think they've played like winning ball clubs recently. I know they played Arizona, uh, so they took advantage of it. They just kept winning. And uh, what you were saying about the Grom, I'd be shocked if. Steve Cohen didn't offer that man a, a blank check as soon as he as soon as he opts out. It's got to be like for a guy like Degrom, if he opts out, the second he opts out, Cohen's got to have a check in his back pocket and say, "All right, here you go. Try my turning issue, this down." My issue with that is that the Dodgers are a team that would be foaming at the mouth. Division rivals, even the Atlanta Braves, who have cheaped out I, before. I heard about that. They're probably going to be foaming at the mouth. There are so many teams in this league that would be willing to give DeGrom that same blank check. And it's a matter of, is DeGrom going to be willing to stay with the Mets where let's be honest in his entire career, they have just not been good enough. And we see an example, even the other day, no run support for the guy at all. Even though the next day, yes, they scored nine runs and in games prior, they've been scoring a couple runs, but you just look at that. And then the loser mentality that they had at the deadline, in my opinion, I just don't know if this team fails in the playoffs. I just don't know what the incentive is for DeGrom to stay if a team like the Dodgers, if a team like the Padres, if a team like the Braves are offering him that same blank check. It's a good point, yeah, because the the Mets have been notorious for not providing run support for, for DeGrom. I saw a crazy stat, I think it was yesterday or the day before, where it's like he is – had no decision like a no decision or not fact yeah like a no decision and like over 30 percent of his starts in, in his career yeah it's embarrassing like the guy is is comes out and it's 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 um he's throwing 101 102 miles per hour i've never seen him throw this hard so he wants it throwing gas and you can't even get a base hit or you could string string some runs together nothing nothing with this lineup with this improved lineup from last year doesn't matter, like even from 2016, doesn't matter what year it is. Different team, same result, no run support for DeGrom. And that's probably his biggest factor. What he's biggest thing he's looking at in terms of where he wants to go in the offseason when he does decide to opt out. So we'll have to figure out what happens with that. The Mets have to step it up offensively. They did yesterday. They did yesterday. Nine runs. You know, Vogelbach had the grand slam. He's looking good. Pretty good plate this plenty. I mean, he does strike out a lot, but he also does he does walk a, a pretty sizable amount. And uh, you know, it was nice to see him come through with the bases loaded for his first career home run as a Met. And then Alonzo is looking good. Lindor is also looking looking pretty good. He's got like a ten plus game hitting streak now, right? 
Yeah, I believe so. And like I said, yeah, he's one of the few difference makers in this lineup. And I just look back to 2015, and this team feels so awfully similar to that. And where they do, they go out and get a Ioannis Cespedes, and it pushes them over the edge. And I just don't feel that they're really going to have enough come playoff time, especially with a team like the Padres who loaded up. And it's just embarrassing to see that these wild card teams loaded up more than the Mets. The Atlanta Braves, they go out and get Jake Odorizzi and Rassiel Iglesias. The Phillies even get Noah Syndergaard. They add David Robertson and a couple other pieces. And then you have the Padres who go just balls to the wall, get Soto, get Bell, get Hayter. I just don't know how they're going to compete with that team. And the Padres are a team I could totally see going after DeGrom this offseason. Could you imagine that lineup and then DeGrom pitching every couple days for them? DeGrom's not going to lose a game. Game over. DeGrom's not going to have the same losing record that he's had in years past, the 500 record. He might not ever lose a game. Yeah, it's it'll be he'll he'll have even more historical numbers with with San Diego. I I'd say um, it's I and I think what would the first round matchup be like if the the standings end? I I thought I saw that the Mets would be playing the Padres. Uh, as of right now, we would get the bye, but the under the assumption that the Padres win their series against actually no, because whoever the division winner is of the Central, so. Whoever the Central Division winner is, because let's be honest, they're not catching up to the Mets or the Dodgers. So whoever wins the East or the West are the top two seeds, which it's presumably going to be the Dodgers and the Mets or the Braves. So if the Mets do fall out of the spot, then yes, they probably would play the Padres. But if they stay at the top of the East, they'll get the bye and play either the three seed or if the six seed pulls an upset they'll play whoever wins that four or five matchup yeah see that that whole new playoff format's still pretty pretty new to me i won't know how to how to you know dissect it or analyze it until i see it like in writing like when espn puts like a graphic up of it yeah that like i don't understand yet but uh it'd be horrible if the mets had to face the padres in the playoffs if that was their first matchup or even if they face them at all really like you said, Josh Hader, they acquired elite closer. Soto and Bell in the same trade. And Brandon Jury, nice bat off the bench that they Forgot could use. Forgot about him, too. Yep. And, uh, yeah, they just they just kept adding and adding, and they look ready to go. So, in your opinion, the Mets do not have enough to stay an actual contender. Is that nope. correct? Nope. nope. If I'm being completely honest, nope. I just don't see it unless the team gets hot at the right time, like those 2019 Nationals did, where you have Howie Kendrick stepping up for you and guys like that. It's just, I don't see it happening unless, like I said, the Mets heat up at the right time. But even then, go to luck competing against some of these teams. And pitching isn't necessarily going to solve all your problems here, as we've learned in the past with that 2015 team. Pitching strong, lineup not good enough, and they don't win the World Series that year. It's just, not going to solve their problems. And the bullpen is probably worse than that 2015 team. You have Diaz. Yes. who's probably better than Familia, which let's hope in the playoffs he is for the love of God. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah. Outside of that, I mean, Ottavino. Sure. If may could stay healthy. Sure. Givens, who knows what he is. And then outside of that, this team just doesn't have a lefty in the bullpen. Just no lefty at all. Joely Rodriguez and David Peterson do not count. Nope, and I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't I trust wouldn't David Peterson. 
Ooh, really? Damn. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he is, he has struggled. Uh, the, the left-handed reliever has been a problem since like before the season even started in the off season, everyone was calling for left-handed reliever, left-handed reliever. That was the last thing that they needed to check off on their off season checklist. And they didn't get that. They, they traded Miguel Castro for, for Joely Rodriguez. And that, that was it. That was the only move they made and in Chase terms of left-handed reliever and Chase and Shreve. Yes. He was good. I liked him a lot in the, the shortened season. I don't know how he's doing this year, but probably haven't used him as much because I haven't seen him. But no, he, was, he, he ended up yeah. getting uh, DFA'd because he was absolutely abysmal. He started the season strong, but down the down the road, he started looking awful. And it just we were screaming for Andrew Chafin this offseason. And what is he doing with the Tigers? Well, he's slicing headers up and the Mets decide not to go down that road at the deadline for whatever reason. And they decide not to get him in the off season. Losing Aaron loop was a mistake. Yeah. He hasn't been great. Yeah. Th- time, but- that was huge. That was, I, I really disliked that the second that news came out. Cause I really, really like Aaron loop. Even, even Justin Wilson was good. I, I, that was a little while ago. I think they lost him, but Aaron loop was good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wilson is another one where, People were mad at the decision, but then they brought in Loop. Loop was better, and everyone thought, okay, well, we'll be fine with Joely. Surely everything will be great. No, Joely Rodriguez is <laughs> just outside of being a character in the clubhouse from what we see. Coming out of the bullpen, I want to vomit every time I see him run oh, wow. out of that bullpen. It's awful. Just so many guys, Yoan Lopez, Adonis Medina, and Steven Nagosik and his stupid mustache, just watching these guys trot out of the bullpen. I want to vomit. It's what are we, the Philadelphia Phillies of 2019 or 20, whatever it was when they had that historically bad season. Yeah. I, I mean, it was, uh, it was rough to see all those guys come out and DeGrom start and then just completely shit the bed. Um, you would, you would imagine that maybe we would, we would have, some of our better arms go out there and pitch us a couple innings, but no, Steven Nagosek and then whoever else came in, whoever else you mentioned, they all, they all crap the bed. And you know, it's, it was disappointing, but I, I know the Mets had won like, what was it? Six, seven in a row at that point, but keep it going, man. Like let's, let's keep it going. Don't just take a loss just because you're tired of winning for a little bit. No, keep it going. The well, Braves well, haven't stopped yeah. winning. The Braves have not taken their foot off the gas. One, one, one inch, not at all. Yeah. And in Buck's defense though, you have to use these guys. I mean, they're here. You got to use them at some point. You can't just That's leave true. them sitting out there, but I, I just, if I'm Buck, I, I'm losing it on Billy Epler. How do you not, you look at the price of David Robertson that he went for. How does Epler not get that done? How does he not get a lefty arm in that pen? How does he not get Anyone, Michael Fulmer went for cheap also. There were so many guys that were on the market here, and Billy Epler sat there just doing nothing. He folded his hands and called it a day, really. Darren Ruff and Michael Givens, those were the only two acquisitions they made. Uh, do you, can you see the Mets maybe calling up Francisco Alvarez? I mean, at this point, what choice do you have if James McCann inevitably either gets injured again or just sucks because he's just not a good baseball player at all. I now you're in a position where you're going to have to because Patrick Mazika, I can't stand looking at his face, nonetheless watching him play baseball. And I guess Michael Perez, who they got sure, whatever, throw him to the wolves, but the guy, the Pittsburgh pirates didn't want him. So what does that tell you? 
I could see a scenario where Alvarez comes up. I could see Vientos coming up. But to me, it just it disgusts me because this is something that the old Mets would do. This is the whole mentality of, well, Jacob DeGrom coming off the injured list is the uh, trade deadline acquisition. Well, Trevor May coming back is our acquisition. McCann coming back is it, – it, it's such a loser mentality. I hate it. Yeah, it's still not enough. Like, I mean, I get the thinking, okay, yeah, DeGrom, yeah, DeGrom is an acquisition off the injured list. Throwing him into the starting role, in, into, like, starting pitcher position number one. Key acquisition. The pitch, starting pitchers is not the issue. They've been terrific all season. They've been, they've remained consistent. It's been really good. I'm really happy with how Walker's pitched. Scherzer, Chris Bassett's been awesome. And now you add DeGrom in there, and it's just like you take really good to really great. And now the bullpen is 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 kind of you know what what worries what worries me. But if you could get to if you could get your starters to pitch seven innings every night, like the 2015 Mets did, how they relied on their pitching their starters for so often. Then I mean, if you could get to Lugo, you could get to Ottavino, get to Diaz with the lead intact. Then I feel a bit comfortable just. The bats need to come alive and provide enough offense for for the pitchers. I, I'd say everything needs to come together. They've been playing well all good uh, all season. A little stretch, uh, a little a little stretches here and there where they where they struggle to find wins, but a pretty solid ball club. It'll be scary to see how they match up against the teams that made acquisitions like the Braves, Rysel Iglesias. That's going to be an interesting one uh, to face. Hopefully, the the Mets won't have won't be trailing too often against the, the Braves in the later innings. Start early, start off, and score. Kind of like the Rangers. Uh, I kind of I like to say, you know, get those goals early, keep your foot on the gas, and don't stop. Same thing with the Mets, I'd say. Yeah, I completely agree. You can't have this comeback scenario like, for example, the Rangers had. It, it's just not going to be a efficient way of getting things done. And, yeah, you, you nailed it with the starting pitching. They've been lights out, so the – whole DeGrom acquisition thing it's just stupid to me considering okay your mentality is Peterson's gave you good starts let's throw him in the bullpen how do you do against the Yankees almost blew that game completely <laughs> Max Scherzer gets a no decision there thanks a lot for wasting his start on his birthday there and then Tyler McGill is going to come back what what's he going to be in the bullpen what is he going to be and it, like you said even Carrasco has been giving you good solid starts Bassett Sure, I forgot sure. about Carrasco. All, yeah, he's been good. Yeah, all of them have been giving you solid starts. And what does that matter when either you have guys like Yoan Lopez coming out of the bullpen or you just don't score enough because you decided, yeah, let, let's just go the platoon route. Let's add a Tyler Naquin. Let's add a Darren Ruff and call it a day instead of adding a J.D. Martinez, instead of adding a Christian Vasquez, Wilson Contreras, guys like that. They're going to make a difference. And I, it just disgusts me seeing what these the price that these guys went for, but apparently it was too astronomical for the Mets because I I don't understand I don't understand how Trey Mancini went for the price that he did, but the Mets couldn't pull off a similar deal. I would have I would have moved Davis for for Martinez and Vasquez. I would have moved him in a package for that. That would have that would have made sense to me. Moving Davis in that kind of package, like. Okay, Martinez is a good player. I mean, he's got good career numbers. And then you're getting your catcher that you need. Unless the Mets really think that Francisco Alvarez could come up right now and start producing, a la Michael Conforto, 2015. 
when they he went from double A straight up to the majors and started kicking ass. Uh, it's gonna be really tough to it's it's a lot of pressure to put on a kid like that, you know. I mean, I'm excited for Alvarez. I think he's gonna be good, but it's a lot to ask for someone to be called up and immediately start producing. So we'll, we'll have to see. Catcher position, you got to learn a whole pitching yeah. staff and everything. It's just a yeah. lot of pressure for a guy that's still 19, 20 years old. And I, I really wonder if there's a correlation between Tomas Nito starting to heat up and the Mets not getting a catcher here because I, I want to vomit if that's the case. You, you can't just settle with Tomas Nito and James McCann. You can't. It's just embarrassing. Again, considering what Vasquez went for and. Like you said, it does would have made a lot of sense to get Vasquez and Martinez and you trade a guy like Davis or you trade a guy like Dom Smith, considering what the Red Sox have done, where they've kind of done a soft retool, soft sell, if you want to call it that, where they get guys like Tommy Pham, they get Reese McGuire, guys like that in return, and they still want to remain somewhat competitive just because of that extra wild card spot. But they know at the same time that it's not a guarantee you had the opportunity and to me i don't understand why this organization values ronnie mauricio the way they do considering the fact that where is he gonna play where's he right. gonna play exactly if Brett yeah comes up plays third you have lindor as your shortstop for the next decade jeff mcneil's not moving away from second and even then mark vientos might come up okay you throw him at second mcneil's either going to be the dh or vientos will be the dh where does ronnie mauricio fit into the plans mm-hmm. that we're holding on to him this much. He just drafted another shortstop in Jet Williams. I don't understand why Ronnie Mauricio has all this value to the organization. It, it would have made sense to package JD, Dom, and or Mauricio in the same deal for like to the Red Sox or to the Cubs for for um what's it called for for Robertson and Contreras. I personally I think it would have been awesome to have Vasquez and Martinez. But David Robertson would have been really good to pick up. I've heard that he's having a great season. Bit older, so it would be a pure rental. But he was having a great. He's having a great season. Um, that would have been great to pick up. But yeah, it was just it kind of it, it was annoying that what bothered me the most was that people said, "Oh, just wait, just wait. There's going to be a lot of fireworks. The Mets are going to make a lot of moves." And then it kept going. Like the hours kept going, getting closer to six o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock. Still nothing. Then you have the J.D. Davis trade. Then you have the the Michael Givens after six o'clock or whatever. It's like, oh yeah, here's your here's your little uh, here's your little uh, severance package. Here's your here's your little gift to the fans. That's it. Like those are the only two moves you made on deadline day. That's what bothered me that people said, yeah, this things, yeah, they're gonna make a lot of moves, and then they made no moves whatsoever. Yep, and again especially considering the price that you see these guys go for i mean david robertson went for a bag of doritos i just don't understand where the mets were in this don't understand what the price was for andrew chafin that that was apparently too high i I, i'm trying to understand but no matter how i put this in my mind i'll never i'll never understand do they really believe that are they trying to show this core hey we really believe in you go out there and get it done because they sure didn't prove it on that deadline night that they could get it done. The bullpen, again, awful. And you just had to add one difference maker bet and a lefty bullpen arm, and I would have been satisfied. You didn't have to do anything else for me. That would have been enough. But instead, no, we got to value these prospects because we're trying to be Dodgers East. Well, I got news for you. If you want to be Dodgers East, 
you got to go out there and make the big splash, make the big move if you want to be taken seriously and like Dodgers East. Right. Trade for Soto. That would have been awesome. But the Nationals would have never pulled the trigger on that deal. We'll 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 transition from range uh, from Mets talk to Rangers talk. Not much is going on in the hockey world in contrast to the baseball world because baseball is the only sport that's happening right now. So hockey training camp is a little more than a month away, maybe. And yeah, uh, Tyler Mott's still unsigned. We have Kako re-signed. Basically, there's no room. There's not enough. There's not a lot of space left over for Mott. Unless Chris Drury works some magic. I don't know how he's going to do it. Trade Reeves, maybe. Um, but there's some lineup decisions. I saw some people discussing, all right, where, where can uh, like Kreider play? Where can Lafreniere play? Can we play Kreider at the right wing? We play Lafreniere at the left wing. So that's his natural position. But that's also Kreider's natural position. So would he be opposed to moving to to the right wing in favor of Lafreniere? Do you think that would? Do you think that's a, a possibility? I mean, to me, it really uh, it doesn't matter which way you go. I think that it will work out because Lafreniere said he's already prepared to play on the opposite wing and he got more comfortable. Kreider also, he's a guy that for the most part in the offensive zone, he just stands in front of the net regardless. So it's not like it matters what wing he's really on. It's really just going to matter in the defensive zone, how they play there. And to me, I feel like it should be Lafreniere on the left and Kreider on the right, just given the fact that Kreider's a veteran. Kreider's a guy that has been there, done that, and let the kid play that you drafted number one overall, regardless, uh, nevertheless let him play on his natural wing where he's more comfortable. I feel like that makes more sense, but I, I'm open to either. I feel like either side that they go down, whichever road they go down, I feel like it would work out regardless. Yeah, they had success with Lafreniere on the right last year, and it doesn't matter to me. I agree with you. It doesn't matter to me like what they go with. I think it's more likely that they go with what hap- whatever was last year. Because it's that if it ain't broke, don't fix it mentality. The Rangers were a good team last year. You know, that was uh, for a nice almost 10-game stretch. They had a pretty good amount of production, that line, the way it was. So Gerard Gallant, to me, it seems like if it if it was working, he'll stick with it. You know, like the deep pairings, he stuck with all season long. No changes made whatsoever. Fox and Lindgren were a pair for the entire season until injuries happened. Miller Trubo was a pair until Tru- until injuries happened. You know, Schneider on the 6D spot. Like that, that kind of stuff. Like Lafreniere on the left wing versus the right wing. That I feel like Gallant doesn't even, won't even pay attention to. I feel like it, he doesn't think it matters as much. I don't think it, I don't think it's a huge deal if Kreider plays on the right wing. I also don't think it's a huge deal if Lafreniere plays on the right wing as well. Uh, I think either way that they'll both be. They'll both be uh, – that entire line will be successful. Yeah, my concern comes more with what are they going to do on the second line right wing? Are we doing this dry and hunt thing again? Is oh, this they better really not. what we're going to do? Because if that's what they do again, we're just going to be in the same conversation of let's just trade Kako at this point. Just, oh, Patrick Kane, everyone, let's foam at the mouth for him. Let's go get JT Miller. I, I really hope we don't go down that road again because mm. – it just makes yeah. no sense to me still to this day why Gallant did what he did. Just such a boneheaded decision. Kako, seven points in nine games on that second line. And 
no, let's let's just throw him to the first line because that's a promotion. No, you leave him where he's comfortable and you tell Dryden Hunt to kick rocks because he's just not a good hockey player. He just isn't. The Coyotes didn't want him for a reason. I, I, I just pray to God that they don't mess this up because you finally have your opportunity. This is the time to give Kako, to give Kraftsoff top six minutes, one or the other. Do it. Yeah, I think Kako, right wing, second line right wing spot, that's his. And he's got to, he's got to prove without a shadow of a doubt in preseason that it's his his spot. So whatever games that he's thrown there, score as many points as you can, please, because you know we're we've got Galant, who's a bit of an older hockey coach. So he's you know what I'm talking like the old boys club. So I don't know he's he's kind of stubborn. So if he proves without a shadow of a doubt that he's the one that's most deserving to play there, or if it, even if it's Kravtsov, I wouldn't mind if Kravtsov was there. Like, because he's one of the prospects. Just as long as it's not Dryden Hunt, please. Don't put Sammy Blay there. Don't Ryan put Reeves. Dryden Hunt there. Don't put Ryan Reeves. I don't I don't know why Reeves would be there at all. Like, honestly, I, I can totally see a scenario where they go Lafreniere on that right side on the second line, and then they put Reeves at the top to add, add size <laughs> to that top line. Because <laughs> that oh was a thing God. for a few games this year. I'd have to shut my mouth, honestly. Like I'd have to, I'd have to delete Twitter if if I saw that. It's just I try to see things from both sides, from both perspectives. It's just sometimes it's just really, really, really difficult. Like I saw a couple periods where Reeves was on there. It's like, oh yeah, maybe it gives some physical edge. Like no, man, you if you're not getting to the the loose pucks, then you're not fast enough. It's got nothing to do with size. Like if you can't catch up to the guys that that are pinning you in your own zone. You got a speed problem, and you need to be better. Like, get to the loose pucks faster. Put some speed there. Put some youth there. I don't care about the size. Let let Reeves uh let let Reeves uh lay the body in like the first five minutes of the game or something just to get the crowd on their feet. That's where I could see Sammy Blay though even being in the top six just because he's one of those guys that is physical, but he's a faster guy than Reeves. I, I could totally see that. Yeah, yeah, but not, he but... actually he can actually play hockey though. He like Reeves can't play. Really? No, Reeves shouldn't even be on this roster, quite honestly. And the fact that the Rangers, there's a world where they could... I, I, I still am intrigued to see what Tyler Mott signs for, because if he signs elsewhere for less than Ryan Reeves' cap hit, Drury needs to be slapped in the face for not trading Ryan Reeves yeah. right away yeah. and signing Tyler Mott, because Tyler Mott brings way more to this team. I get into this argument with all the uh, the Boomer Ranger fans, if you will, that are like, oh, well, who's going to police the ice? I'm not paying a guy $1.7 to police the ice when he's more times than not going to be a healthy scratch this year because I think Dryden Hunt or Gustav Riedel is going to get more fourth line ice time than Ryan Reeves. So to me, I'd rather the guy that's going to bring the extra step up on the penalty kill rather the guy that's faster and that could play physical regardless. To me, it just makes more sense. And you look at the difference in the penalty kill when Tyler Mott was there versus when he was not. Night and day. Yeah, Night yeah. and day. The penalty kill was good. Tyler Mott made it great. If, yeah. If I had to, if I had to sum it up like that, he just like the when he as soon as he got there, the Rangers started. You know, when when the other team was going for a change, when they had possession of the puck, they would skate it out past the red line and then skate it all the way back to their own or pass it all the way back to their own end and would kill like another thirty seconds. They all started doing that once Mott stepped up, once he came to the Rangers. I remember I was at the game. It was the Rangers versus the Penguins. It was like the first game post-trade deadline. 
and or, or second game, sorry, because they played the Devils like right oh, on deadline oh, day. Oh, that was that, that was horrible game. That was a horrible game. And then the Penguins won. They just, it was a, a whitewash. They destroyed the Penguins. And a big reason for that was Tyler Mott's penalty killing abilities. He was a great, he was great. Great pickup for the Rangers. I hope they could find a way somehow, some way to, 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 uh, to sign him. Not looking, not looking good right now. The Rangers don't have much cap space. Uh, I'm going to take a look on cap friendly right now. Uh, We'll see. We'll see what what it is. But I mean, right, they have Mott one million cap space with twenty two guys on the roster because once Blay is activated, that's twenty two, uh, and he's not an LTIR, so his cap hit whatever the cap space is, it counts. And then they're gonna need a, another defenseman probably. Which, oh, could you imagine Jared Tenorti somehow as the sixth defenseman next year? Oh, no, it can't. It's got. It can't be. Like I, that's why I think. Upright. I think Zach. I think Zach Jones is hungry enough to earn a spot this year. Like the kid. Kid. I forget what he said exactly last year, but he said when he got sent down, he took it like a champ. Like he said, like, you know, I I got to prove that that I'm better than these guys. He said something along those lines, and I was like, "Yes, Wait, all right, this Jonesy, is good." I, I love you. You didn't have to prove anything. You're better than Patrick Nemeth. You could skate. I know uh, he knows. He he knows that. <laughs> he knows. I know he that. Knows. You know that. All Rangers fans know that. But Gerard Gallant does not. For <laughs> jury yep. does not. It's the same. It's there's there's certain moves that I want the Rangers to make. Fox and Miller, for example, but they won't do it because it's. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Fox and Lindgren has been so reliable. But at times, they weren't reliable. They, you know, at times, like, when Lindgren was all banged up, when Fox was banged up, they weren't as good as they were in the first half of the season. So, it would make sense to me to try Fox and Miller. Just see, for even just one period, just one period, just try it out and see how good how good they are together. Maybe it's you never know. same preseason. Please, like, I want to see it. Their skill sets match so perfectly. Lindgren, I, mean, I guess you would put Lindgren with Truba. That would be I, a nightmare. Uh, I'd love, I, I'd love Lindgren and Schneider. I thought that was a solid pair when they were together. When Fox went down for a bit, I and thought Truba that is a sixty. Then Truba is sixty. I'd love that, but there's just no way with that eight million dollar cap hit that's going to happen. They're going to put him in the top four and try to make that contract look the best they could. Unfortunately, it's too. They're too. It's certain times where they're too stubborn to make a move like that it's just like you know how the the flyers could have had Gaudreau, and then like the press conference was like yeah we would have had to do too much too many moves like that's your job man stop why are you saying that it, it would have been too many moves that's not an excuse make it happen too many moves but like okay is that a negative deterrent like what what kind of what kind of moves would you have to make move this guy here move got this guy there would you have to sacrifice Sean Couturier, like your core, to do it? I don't think so. I don't think the Flyers would have would have needed to do that. Too many moves, like that was that that bothered me so much. Like that's that's the mentality I feel like a lot of people in the NHL have now. Like the older people, like Gallant. You know what I mean? Hopefully not Jury because he's a bit he's younger, and I hope he's more of like the analytical mind, more of a mix, a mix of the analytics and the a little bit of the boomer side. All right, because I think, I still, he, well, I I think, think it's necessary. At one point. I think he did because obviously he took Gallant's toy away in Patrick Nemeth. I think that there was a time where Drury <laughs> had to step in and tell Gallant, you're stupid. Get Justin Braun in the lineup with Braden Schneider. 
this is ridiculous. And there, I mean, it would make sense. It would make sense because Gallant, for whatever reason, that New Jersey game, oh, that's an all-time classic video on my channel, that that reaction. But, oh, when just seeing Patrick Nemeth and Justin Braun just spin around like ballerinas out there, getting absolutely cooked by Jack Hughes and the Devils, that was just a nightmare. That's why size is, doesn't mean as much as people think it does. Like, I don't call out Boomer Facebook. Like, it, it really, it, it doesn't. It doesn't mean if you can't skate in this league, in this, in the league that we have now, not all grit in in fighting anymore. It's all about speed and skill in in today's NHL. You see it. There's no fighters. There's no fighters on on any of these teams. It's not like the Sean Avery days, right? So these guys need to be able to skate. And Braun and Nemeth together or Tenorti, those guys, they can't skate. They cannot skate. You need to have a guy like like Schneider who could skate. Big guy, but they need to be able to skate. You can't yeah. just look at the size and say, oh, yeah, he's big. He's good. He could throw the body. Yeah, but can he throw the body? Can he catch up to a guy skating 20 miles an hour right past him and lay the body? I don't think so. He's going to miss. You need someone that, that could throw the body that could also skate. And nowadays, it's hard to find that. And they, the Rangers are lucky they drafted Braden Schneider when they did. Good pickup by them. Thank you, John Davidson, because Jeff Gordon probably wouldn't have done that one. And yeah, you get guys that are physical and also could skate. Look at Sammy Boy. Look at Vinny Trocek. Look at some of these guys we have in the forward group. Barkley Goudreau as well. If you bring uh-huh. back Tyler Mont, and for whatever reason, no, Ryan Reeves has to police the ice, apparently. I think he, I think the Rangers took a big step from where they were last year with Reeves this year. Like he did a lot for the locker room. I really, really love that. I love his energy. It's just not worth $1.7 million. So that's all I have to say about it. Like I love Reeves. I love him to death, but I keep saying this on the show. 1.7, 1.75 million for, for Reeves just to be your 13th forward and to be a, a locker room influence is not worth it with, with, how close you are to the salary cap. I think he's gone by the deadline. I really do. I think that someone, they're either going to look at someone at the deadline that they're going to want to acquire and they're going to be like, hey, you're a cap casualty. See you later. Or it's going to be someone in Hartford, like a Lori Pineyemi, wins over the coaching staff, wins over management, and maybe gets called up. Maybe Brennan Offman just lights it up in training camp and then the nine game sample size. Regardless, I think that there's going to be someone by the trade deadline that gets Reeves off this roster because this team loves Dryden Hunt for whatever reason. And you know what? At this point in his career, either way, I'd probably take him over Reeves because at least he could skate. And this is someone that clowns Dryden Hunt like crazy, but I would take him over Reeves still just because of that. I think that if Reeves is here by the debt, I pass the deadline this upcoming spring, I'll be shocked. So that's a bold take, I'd say. I, I mean, is that your ice cold take of the week? Uh, that's my ice cold take. That's my <laughs> ice cold take. There you go. Reeves not going to be on the Rangers uh, by the trade deadline. Speaking of, you mentioned Lloyd Pauliniemi, and you know, a lot of people were were saying like the Rangers should have kept Frank Petrano. I don't agree with that. I think he's replaceable. The Rangers haven't had a, a guy like him where you know shoot first mentality always we always have passers haven't had a guy like that since Gabrick. i get i get the appeal of that lori paul 
might be one of those guys. If he could, if he could figure out, figure it out, have a good preseason, maybe he cracks the lineup. I think Pauyunemi could be like that because that's what I saw last year, and that's what he's done in over in Finland with TPS. Like he scores a lot of goals. He, I think he broke Kako's record for points in in uh, with TPS. I right up there. That might be right. I'm not I have sure. to. Ch- I got to check with Stat Boy Steven about that. But he he was he looked pretty good in preseason last year. Like I remember, there was a power play, and he had a one timer, rifled it, absolutely beautiful shot, and rang it off the crossbar, and it, and it didn't go in. But it was like really close, and that's all he kept doing. They kept feeding him the puck. Same with Nils Nils Lundqvist. That kid would just would keep shooting it. But if you want a guy that that just Grips it and rips it. Oh, you know, might be the guy. But I'm also excited to see how Othman, Will Cooley, Gustav Riedal, he's looking like he might be he might be able to crack the lineup. Uh, might be possible. But also Ryan Carpenter too. Like he's looking like a pretty good pickup too. Yeah, Carpenter um, is someone that excites me. He could be. I feel like I feel like he's a better Kevin Rooney, and it's just weird that Kevin Rooney ended up getting more money and. They yeah, switching places, but yeah, I completely agree with that. And I think another shoot first guy, you added one this offseason. Vinny Trocek is a shoot first guy, so I don't think you're gonna lose too much when it comes to that. And to be honest, either way, it's about time that your eight and a half million dollar first line center who has a rocket of a shot starts using it more because where is that 40 goal Mika? Where is he? Because if we get him back, this team is on a whole different level because. I don't know where he was in the first half. I don't know if he lacked shooting confidence or what, but he was not the same Mika that he was down the stretch. I could say that. Yeah, when he gets, I feel like when it gets closer to the end, like that's when he starts scoring goals. Um, you look at the 1920 season, the end right before COVID, he went on a torrid goal scoring like, like streak. It was insane. He got up to 41. It looked like he was going to get to 50. The end of 20, the shortened season, the COVID shortened season. After he got over his COVID, he started scoring goals. He got over 20. And then this year, he started scoring goals like crazy after the trade deadline, even in the playoffs, too. I also need Panarin to start shooting the puck more. He passed it way more. Right off the right off the bat, like from the season, when the season started, you could tell that all he wanted to do was pass it, and he didn't want to shoot it. Which- Only had 20, 20 goals, but 70-something assists. I need him to shoot more. Sorry to cut you off, but it would work. It's going to work better with Trocheck than Strom because Strom was that same type of guy where they were just passing it back and forth, playing catch instead of actually shooting the puck. And that was part of the issue there. You get Trocheck, he's going to actually shoot the puck. You at least hope. You okay? So Trocheck had like what fifty something points last year, career high of like 70, 80 something points. I think yeah. he's going to have a career year this year. I think Panarin is going to make him that much better. He's a very solid player. You put Panarin. Who was he? Who was Trocheck playing with with Carolina? Really? Like was he um, playing? I believe Svechnikov at times, and no, because even then, that's he wasn't playing always with Svechnikov. I forgot honestly who he might have been playing with. I could check who, but I know in the playoffs at one point they did have him with with Svechnikov. But I don't. Yeah, know that rings a bell. Yeah, I I think was he playing with Natchez? I mean, Natchez was was like, I mean, he's got ta- he's got talent, but he's not a fully developed player yet. If you give, you're gonna give, uh, Trocheck Panarin a hundred, a hundred ninety to hundred points score on the uh, 
take it to the bank every year, he's going to put up some good good numbers this year. And then also, I feel like Kako, if you put Kako on that line, they're going to tear it up. I really hope, I'm really excited to see that line. Out of everything, I want to see Panarin, Trocek, and Kako. I want to see how they, how they work in the offensive zone, if they cycle it, or if they go with that stupid dump and chase that they, that, that they, that they do. I don't Which think it would work better if they have Kako and Trocek on that line versus having Ryan Strom, who is just, well, let's be honest, he's softer than a baby's ass. Let, let's just be a thousand with that. He's just not a good player. He's not, he, he's just awful. And it, to answer the question, it was Svechikov and Teravainen that he was playing with. And people were arguing when I was saying the same thing you did, where he's going to have a career year playing with Panera and everyone's like, well, in Florida, he played with Barkov and Huberto, and his points weren't even that high. Okay, well, let's keep in mind that when he played with those guys, they were still only 20-something years old. Huberto was right. not the MVP he was now. Barkov was not the guy he is now. Huberto was good, but he wasn't great. Barkov was 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 great, but not amazing that he is now. So Panarin right now is amazing. You give him an amazing player right now. Trocek's in the prime of his career right now. He's a solid player. What do you think is going to happen? And I think they're going to get the chemistry over time. It'll be rough at times. Like maybe he'll miss a couple passes here and there, but I think they'll develop it over time. I mean, the bromance between Strom and Panarin, yeah, of course, you, you love to see it. I think Trocek is going to going to fit in well with the Rangers here. Only thing that I was concerned about was the, the years, but if they had to go a little bit longer just to lower the AAV, the cap hit, then by all means, just take that. Fine. If it saves you money down down the line in the future, I will take that. Yeah, completely, uh, completely agree with that. I think that people are going to sleep on this, and also the matchups aren't now always going to be on that Mika Kreider line. Now there's going to be an actual threat because that was the whole issue. The five on five issue stemmed from that second line not producing enough, and you saw it. And I'm just so glad that feelings never got in the way of this thing because. I was so scared they were going to bring Strom back and be like, well, him and Panarin have chemistry. And no, 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 no. Panarin is a superstar. He'll get over it. And you got to do what's best for the team. I, if feelings were going to get in the way, then this thing would, this train would have went off the track here because you're not winning a Stanley Cup with Ryan Strom. It was never going to happen. You finally have a guy that is going to shoot the puck, match Panarin well. And I think that over time, people are going to, understand and they're going to see that this is a better fit yeah and i feel this i feel the same way as you about that like the you know make that move because of feelings also feel the same way about how they didn't bring cop back like the novelty of him scoring like crazy as soon as he came over it wore off over time and i'm glad that they didn't buy into that you know what i mean like that same feeling where they they signed a player because of feelings they signed a player because of his production is incredible production after they acquired him. I'm glad they didn't buy into that because what did what did uh what did Cop get? He got a, a little bit same a little bit less. The same exact deal, two years less as as Trocheck. If it if it took two years more to get Trocheck, I'll take that honestly. The Cop is a good on a Stanley Cup team. Cop is the third liner, third line yeah, center. He, I would the love guy to has have never him on had 40 that. Forty points in his career until this past season. And keep in mind, he was playing with Artemi Panarin. So, it in the grand scheme, in, in the grand scheme of things, that the move, the moves the Rangers did and didn't make, they are they make sense, right? So Trocheck is is good, is a solid player. 
checks off the boxes that you need him for 5v5. He wins faceoffs, good in his own end, two-way player, all that good stuff, wins board battles, stuff like that. And now you're, you're adding him. He's an, a legitimate second liner. So you put him with Panarin, and let's see what happens. Now we're cooking. Just put, for the love of God, please, we are five-sixths of the way to the top six that we need. Five-sixths. And then the one-six that we need is Kako on that second-line right wing. Please, for the love of God, well, just that's what I was gonna say, put him there. That the moves make sense as long as the top six actually is what we imagine. Because I could also see a world where they are like, hey, the kid line was great in the playoffs. Let's keep the band together there. Let's just throw Blay on the first line right wing and then just throw Krafts off on the second line right wing. I hope that's not the case, but I could totally see a world where that happens just because of the playoffs. They were getting it done in the beginning of the season, like, but they were just the combinations are kind of like all over the place. They put they put Blay up in the top six they, on the first line. They and they were they were winning. They were winning. So, you know what I mean? Like I said before, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And that's what the Rangers did. Until Blake got hurt, he was on that top line. When they tried Hunt there, uh, they tried Hunt. The novelty, like Hunt looked good at first, in my opinion, the first couple games. But then the novelty of him playing there wore off. And he's more fit for the bottom six, for sure. Fourth line role, if anything, I'd say, for, for, for that. I, I don't think Goche's cracking the lineup at all. I, I think he might even go to the ahl like there's a lot of guys that, that yeah i'm surprised they kept him i was shocked shocked because he requested a trade too yeah, so I'm, i i take whatever you can for yeah. him at this point yeah see what you could get back for I, he could he could be a valuable asset for another team but the rangers have no use for him right now except that the only the only thing that i liked about him is that he drew a lot of penalties that that that's what I like about him right now. I used to like really really like him, but he wore off on me. And uh, you know, you could you could get somebody else to draw penalties. It's you'll, you'll find somebody. It, yeah. it, it that's not something that you have to worry about. The Rangers got a lot of power plays last year. Yeah, and they were effective on it. And this better be the time where Lafreniere gets on that top unit or Kako as well. You get Trocek who could play on that second unit and is going to make that better. You just get a perfect balance. And yeah, with Goche, I, I, it was getting tiring. At first, he was kind of fun. It was fun watching him play. And it's like, all right, he'll eventually get that shooting touch. And then he's going to be just an absolute fridge out there. And nobody's going to stop this guy. And it just never came to fruition except for that one goal that the NHL decided to just tweet out in July for whatever reason. But... Yeah, outside of that, Julian Goche, not a memorable time here at all. And I'm surprised that he never really went to Hartford in general last year. I feel like he should have just went there to get more playing time, honestly. Yeah, that probably would have been a good idea for him. Yeah, he's a lot of, a lot of healthy scratches, a lot of time sitting in the press box on the bench or whatever. Uh, but we'll, we'll have to see. I'm interested to see. I, I can't wait for hockey to start back up again. Like, I'm dying here in terms of content. Uh, I don't know about you. I mean, you got you you cover baseball. I'm just still holding out for hockey. And it doesn't feel the same. It really doesn't. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's hard to cover talk about baseball when you're so far out from the postseason. Still, like there's still half a season left, basically. There's two that, months. I, the, my passion's more for hockey. Like I, yeah, I love baseball, same. but I could watch a full 60 minute hockey game. Like I can't watch nine innings of baseball these days. Sometimes I just get distracted. Throw on a 
uh, show in the back, throw on a start playing some games. I just can't watch the full nine. Yeah, game. I'm on my phone or whatever. I can't watch a nine inning game straight through without going on my phone once. Like honestly, it's really difficult. And but in terms of hockey, I'm with you on that. That's my passion. I love talking about it. And listen, ice cold takes fan. I'm still holding out for Kevin Weeks. We're going to get him to respond eventually. All he needs to do is open his DMs. I've sent him multiple messages. He sees me tweeting from the beach, sees me tweeting in front of the pizza oven. He appreciates the heavy forecheck. But what I said today was, uh, you know, a heavy forecheck is nothing if you can't score the goal. So we're going to keep pushing and pushing until we finally score the Geno. No, put the bread in the basket. Uh, It's going to happen eventually. Yeah, no more go chase stuff. Just take it to the net and then and then just crash into the get goalie. In the no, gritty areas, pucks in deep. Get hungry on pucks. We're gonna. We're. It's going to happen. He said that. He said that. If I bought him a slice, that he would. That I, I should DM him about coming on. So he made that. He put it out there in writing, and almost thirty thousand people saw this stupid video I put out. Uh, <laughs> so we got to get him to respond eventually. But anyways, uh, Python. Thanks so much for recording with me this week. Ice Cold Takes fans, you're awesome. Hey, Rangers fans. Thank you so much for listening to the Ice Cold Takes podcast this week. Make sure you follow at Ice Cold Takes pod on Twitter to stay up to date with the latest Rangers info. See you all next week. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay.